And Cuthbert's managed to work it to Kirby and there's no goalkeeper. Kirby has done it and there is no doubt now that Chelsea are going to the Champions League final. Promising for Chelsea. Kai Havertz is in. Oh, that's hit the bar. And there's the follow-up and this time it does count. This time it is a Timo Werner goal in the Champions League. And this time Chelsea do score. It's Christian Pulisic. And finally it's in. And it's scored by Mason Mount, who's Chelsea through and through, who's come through the academy and he's just scored the goal to take Chelsea to Istanbul and the Champions League final. You can book your tickets because Chelsea are on the way. Sick of it. Sick of the success. I feel like, um, is it Daffy Duck that jumps into like a swimming pool full of gold? That's how I feel right now. The success of... Chelsea is a club generally, but don't buy the kit because fuck the kit. Yeah, I was gonna actually no. I was literally gonna start with the kit. I was gonna do this whole like ironic start where I was like, the biggest thing that's happened at Chelsea in the last couple of days is more more kit leaks. The travesty of the kit. Do you think we're gonna be wearing that kit in the final? Just don't. Just, people need to remember, yeah. Just because the team's successful doesn't mean that you forgive the board. So I'm saying, so I'm saying, but yeah, I guess we're recording. So welcome back to the Every Other Sunday podcast. Uh, I'm Jay McIntosh, joined as always by the wonderfully dressed in camo, uh, Daniel Childs. And we have a little bit of football to talk about, I believe. Yeah. Little well, bit yeah, of football. TV you... star, if TV star can give us the time to speak about oh, that football. It's fine. Um, your autograph that you asked me to write for you is in the post. Um, yeah, do you know what? Let's start with the uh, let's start with the men's game first because we started with the women for the last few weeks. Uh, we'll obviously get to them if you're here for that. So obviously Chelsea two Real Madrid nil. We threw three one yeah on aggregate Champions League final uh, joint most clean sheets in Europe uh, alongside Man City. Uh, based off expected Premier League points, since Tuchel's been here. We're first in almost every single metric, so things are looking rosy. Things are looking a bit too good for my liking. But, you know, I'd, I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's been a while now and nothing's gone wrong. And as a Chelsea fan, that's bizarre. Yeah, I, I, it does feel like also the way we've got to the final is strangely like calm in that makes it like you know I, I expected more twists and turns I expected us to go to extra yeah. time I expected Real Madrid to give us the biggest problem I mean sure it was the most dramatic of all our Champions League wins and god did they make us sweat with all the missed chances um, I, I I hate saying this but I resigned myself to think all those missed chances were just like the football gods telling us it just isn't our year. It's just not. It's just not supposed to happen this year, and the ball just isn't going to go in the back of the net again. And I just thought, here comes the Real Madrid equaliser. It was a good game, though. It's just like I don't know, man. With with all that's going on and how Chelsea are doing, it's a bit like I'm sat in the back of like a Rolls Royce, for example, or a Maybach, or a fancy Mercedes. Like I'm just sort of cruising. And nothing's really phasing me. Like I wasn't nervous for the game. I was nervous during the second half. Um, but you know, like I said, I wasn't nervous before. Lad, we looked good. Like it genuinely, five nil wouldn't have been a shock. And to to do that to Real Madrid, I know it's not the Real Madrid that everyone always, you know, whatever sharp. Yeah, it's Real Madrid. So you know, to do that to Real Madrid and and be brilliant since Tuchel's come in. And yeah, man, I, I was super happy. Like, low key shitting myself against for for the city game though, like the actual Champions League final now because I never had hope. I was kind of like, okay, well, you know, we've got to semi finals. That's great. That's a great place to be. We've put our marker down. We're coming back. Fine. Then it's like, oh, City in the FA Cup semi. Oh, we got to another semi final. We're you know we're good. We're Man United. We do semi finals and and then we won that as well. And I'm a, I'm just a bit like. Is the explosion when it happens going to be so monumental? <laughs> it's like it's going to be like cataclysmic that it all kicks off because it's just been too easy. It's been too easy, too smooth. We don't really look troubled by anyone. Even 
you know, we're happy to concede possession and own possession, which is really striking because most teams don't do that. Like percent possession last night. 37, does, I think, yeah. But like that, I was, I was stunned by that stat post-match. I was like, it just shows you the way you interpret games and experience games, the flow of them and how possession isn't meaningless, but it can... You know, it's about the quality of possession you have. That's a very obvious statement. But, you know, Chelsea, the quality of possession we had on the ball, how effective we were at intercepting of breaking through Real Madrid countless times to create high chances, you know, high quality chances. That's why we battered them over the two legs in terms of the score sheet, but also in terms of the XG as well. You know, the you, I don't know where to start, man, because there are so many areas you can go into um with this with this game do we talk just about you know firstly about Thomas Tuchel what he's done at Chelsea since he arrived in January it, do you know what it's it's hmm. like I can't think since since 2010 2009 2010 I don't think we've looked this good and when I say good I mean assured we're, we're playing as though nothing really is phasing us and under Conte, I mean, we were good, but geez, there's so much like the baggage that comes with Conte, which you know I love personally, but it, it's not a long-term thing. Whereas, you know, Tuchel, it's just it's really seamless, really effortless. I think it's it's credit to him as a tactician, as a manager. Um, he's putting his marker down as okay. Now I'm a top three coach in the world, and I I believe that's a fair thing to say now about him you know back-to-back Champions League finals with two different teams that's that's a sign of a quality coach do you know what I mean so and doing it with a club that haven't got to a hadn't won a Champions League knockout tie for seven years when he'd arrived exactly and, and to have only three players that have played maybe two Thiago Silva and Aspi. who else has played that at Kovacic like they're the players not even N'Golo Kante had got to that I know exactly. obviously now the, the quality of the player you're like yeah he belongs at that level but he'd never been at that level Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Whereas Real Madrid, I think it was one of their starting eleven hadn't been in a Champions League semi-final before, and yeah, it's crazy. And and you know, just the small things. I mean, we can dissect a bit more, but just off the top, like little little. Let's talk about the little details first before we get into player things because they're the, that's what I really noticed last night. And I was like, do you know what? It's fine tuning those small, small, tiny little areas that. It just takes you from being a very good team to an outstanding team. For example, when any of the back three were close to the throw-in lines and they were being pressured by Real Madrid, I saw Thiago Silva do it countless times as well. Just step back and just knock the ball against the Real Madrid player's shins and it goes out for Chelsea throw-in. Do you know what I mean? It's just tiny things like that. Like Kai Havertz, just nutmegs for days. Like Beautiful first touches. I thought Timo was brilliant. You know, everyone's doing little bits. Chilwell was so much more confident. Vinicius Junior is so bad, and um, and and you know, I thought Jorginho. In fairness to him, he, I mean, he, he done something early on in the first half was shocking. I mean, that pass and then the yellow card. I was just like, please don't do this today. But then he's on a yellow, and you're like, oh no, that's that's going to be a moment that could completely swing the yeah, tie. Exactly. But then for him to have that and then have the amount of interceptions he did so perfectly after that, it was his best defensive performance with Chelsea. Uh, we've discussed, you know, Jorginho feels like sort of a running narrative on this podcast in terms of us discussing him. People, if you've been following, you know, my writing and my videos, I've been, I'd say defending Jorginho since he arrived in, say, 2018. Oh, under, here we go. Under Sarri. Um, no, 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 this is not coming to a... a I told you so because that's not that's not the person I am like you know it's very simplistic to do that and we all get things wrong on football um I just think seeing him last night have that level of performance mentality has been a big thing we've questioned about players like to be frank Jorginho Kovacic uh, players like this other players within the starting 11 too you know, I've questioned someone like Christensen because it, it's those it's those intangible things when you get to this level of game that the pressure, the scrutiny, the high stakes that really tell good players from really good players or just having that 
now to do it at the right moment, like holding your bottle, like it's very simplistic things, but, and we can talk about the tactics and the tactical implementation, you know, and how impressive it's been with Tuchel, but those players still have to go out on the pitch and do it themselves. And I think that for many players last night, there was a sense of, is redemption the right word or justification or just, you know, I think you saw the emotion pouring out of Jorginho at full time, you know, collapsing to his knees. I don't know how much of that emotion pouring out of him had to do with solely his Chelsea career. I mean, if you know about Jorginho uh, coming from a small coastal town in Brazil um, to, I think, a monastery in Italy where basically his agent sort of sold him a dream to go across to Europe and basically he was sold, you know, a lie, basically. You know, he, he went over there and had a difficult few years and eventually has reached where he, where he is now. But I, I can't help but feel some of that is the struggle and criticism he must have felt at Chelsea as well and and that's that's how big last night's result was you you cannot underplay it and I think that you know Jay you tweeted this earlier in the day and it's what you know nearly broke me down in tears I'm just going to be honest was Mason Mount scoring the second oh. goal you know I, I I even me saying that right now is uh getting me emotional because um Football, man, football can be a cynical game. Football can really be a cynical game. We we spoke about the European Super League a few weeks back and um, there are many things in football that do tie you down and do frustrate you, even if you do support a club like Chelsea who are very successful. I was having a conversation with a great um, Norwich fan, Chris Reeve. He's part of uh, Talk Norwich, which is a great YouTube channel. And just saying, you know, you should feel very privileged to support a club like Chelsea. And that's something I do want to point out. It's like anyone listening to this is a Chelsea fan. You have to savor these moments. You have to savor every single moment. It's why I laugh at stuff like standards and when people shout out about like stuff like that. Because it's, I never want as a fan to get into a stage of entitlement. You know, I think you have to savor all of these moments currently. Um because to me, Mason scoring that goal when nine years ago when Torres scored the goal, me and my dad were watching the semi-final in separate rooms. And when Torres, it was actually when Torres ran through and I ran from my bedroom into the front room. And by the time I got there, how long that pitch was, it felt like Torres still had a way to go. Um, and we celebrated the goal together as Torres rounded Valdez. I, literally, I ran out the room. And I met my dad sort of, he was running out the, the front room as well. And we hugged as uh, after Mount scored last night, um, just like it was in 2012. Those are those moments that I think we all cherish. And the amount of amazing videos I've seen from people inside bars watching a game or outside Stanford Bridge, or I know Jay, you obviously had your stream last night. Um, those are those things that you, you put yourself through the limited pain as a Chelsea fan in you know, the, the moments like these actually should give you more perspective of how actually big the struggles of Chelsea Football Club are in comparison to other clubs. Um, but that's that's why we adore this club. That's why some of us like spending so much time as a hobby, putting effort into to making content, writing articles, making videos, recording podcasts, collaborating with others. Um, and just a, a small point here, and this is this doesn't take away from the harsh reality of the world in the past year, but I can't deny that some of my emotion pouring out last night was because of how much of a shit year it's been in terms of, I think, at the outside, you call it the outside world, non-football related matters, but also how that's went into football in terms of us not being inside the ground. So that's sort of a, a mess of sort of my opinions basically on last night. Yeah, I mean, do you know what? It's it's one of those things for me personally. Like, I it, basically the first day of September, I moved out up to Liverpool from home. Obviously, I'd been at uni, but I'd been back a year waiting for my girlfriend to finish uni. I'd been working, and you know, being away, you know, doing what I'm doing, working, studying Chelsea stuff. Like, my connection to home and my connection with my family is is around Chelsea right it's always been like my connection with my dad and my brother is has always been because we all love Chelsea and I just think it's really something and people need to you know they don't need to they can do what they want but just just take a moment to realize that what happened last night is one of those rare things in your life that you will never forget because of the joy that it brought it's not a painful memory it's a purely 
joyous, wonderful experience that most football fans will never, ever experience. You know, it's really, it's really interesting because Daniel, you and I are, you know, the legacy fans. Um, and I've, spoke, I've spoken to people that, you know, create content and, you know, are on TV and the media that, that have been Chelsea fans post-2012 and they haven't experienced this before. And it's, it's just it's just wonderful, isn't it? What what a joyous gift that these players and these managers have, have given us because, you know, credit Frank, we wouldn't actually be in the knockouts if it wasn't for Frank and what he did and Tuchel for taking it on and, and, and the players for stepping up when they need to. I'm, I'm so happy for Timo getting a goal. Like, what a wonderful guy he is. I'm so, so happy for him. You know, I tweeted it, obviously, in the morning of the, the game day, but... Mason Mount scoring the winner would just... I mean, that's everything you can want. Are we going to have fan. now like eight years of people saying, well, it wasn't really the winner? Oh, that's, bro, someone said that, yeah, in, under my tweet. Like, well, it wasn't the winner though, was it? And I was like... <laughs> do you know what I mean? But yeah, that's what it is. So it's a beautiful moment and it's something to really, you know, take pride in. Obviously, we'll get onto it, but the women are in the exact same position, smashing Bayern Munich as well. Like... I really, truly believe that since Tuchel's come in, Chelsea now looks like one of the top three clubs in the world that you'd want to join as a footballer. Yeah, and that's and not just like bravado or saying, oh, you know, we're a big club. Like, what no, Tuchel no, has yeah, done, like, he, we are... This is, I think, the magnitude of what Tuchel has done. Like, it's not... This is what I, I think I try and stress. It's not just about this season. It's mm. stuff beyond this season. It's stuff that we've been discussing for multiple years about where do Chelsea go next? What's the next era at Chelsea? How are we going to get back to competing with the top clubs in Europe? That has been a serious question. Liam Toomey wrote a really good piece in The Athletic and he was talking about how the nine-year journey from uh, 2012 to now is a lot different to the nine-year journey when Roman arrived at Stamford Bridge to Munich in terms of us constantly being in Champions League semi-finals, you know, getting to a final in 08, being one of those teams you expect to compete seriously for the Champions League. What makes this achievement so good? I think I, I asked you this in a previous pod of saying, if Tuchel wins the Champions League this year, is it a better achievement, a better achievement than 2012? Is because he's picked up a squad that's not used to getting to this stage, that a club that hasn't competed seriously Still hasn't competed seriously in the Premier League, but that's not on Tuchel because, of course, he was he, he was never going to do that. He's done pretty incredibly, but we'll have to see that next season. But you have to believe in Tuchel now. Like, I saw people getting annoyed pre-game about Pulisic not being on the pitch. And even pre-game, I was like, "This look at what Tuchel has done. You've got to trust him. And yeah. once again, once again, his decision is absolutely vindicated. Timo Werner helps to run the Madrid back line. Uh, Ragged scores the opening goal. And then at like so 60 good. or so minutes, Pulisic comes on. I mean, Pulisic was just ridiculous off the bench. I know he's he's always been a good impact player off the bench, but he was ridiculous off the bench. Mate, like, Ver Werner's step, like, we stepped left and then sold the player and just sprinted forward. I was so, ha so happy for him. Like, you could actually see disbelief in his face when he scored. Like, like you, you saw a weight lift off him. Bless him, like. He was like I tweeted about. It, he was nearly in tears talking about it after the game. It means so much, and and to take this team from tenth to top four FA Cup final, Champions League final, in the space of four four months. I mean, it's it's crazy. And looking on to next season, we're going to be so serious. You know, teams actually fear us now. I have messages from people that support other teams, like like. This Chelsea is not normal. This is not what we've seen in the last few years. Like this team is frightening, especially Seriously with extraditions. You know, if Chelsea can get it exactly. right in the transfer market, and I've got you know I've got uh, it'll be out on my Twitter by the time, but I'm, I've got a tweet schedule for later, which essentially like be kind of prepared for Chelsea to sign players you didn't expect because Tuchel will have maybe asked for them. You know, whilst I don't think that's the best idea, I think the board should have the idea. I imagine Tuchel will have an input because Chelsea sort of allow their managers to do so. And you just have, he just deserves to be backed and supported now. Like whatever lineup comes out, it's come out because it's very, very planned. It's more planned than any of us could imagine. Do you know what I mean? So, so yeah, it's, it's a very nice result. I'm so happy for Christian Werner. I'm so happy for Mount, like so happy for Kai. Kai was outstanding. But if we're going to get into individual performances, I mean, oh, Kante, mate. Can, so can, we, can we start with someone else? Just quickly. Who? 
Andreas Christensen. Oh, my guy, my guy, my guy. Um, you know, you said you didn't want to say, you know, I told you so's. I want to say I told you so's. Mm. AC bangs, Chilwell bangs, Werner's been great. I think if Billy Gilmore was on, we would have scored six or seven. But um, I think that's kind of obvious. That's an understatement. But <laughs> Christensen, you can go and watch videos on my YouTube for about a year, probably up to about January, me saying that I think Chelsea... Um, should be looking to sell Christensen. That was actually words that came out of my mouth because I felt that I didn't quite know what the future was going to hold for Christensen. I don't think he never seemed to be a player that was imposing himself enough. Um, and the transformation of him, yes, we can throw out the caveat that he's playing within a system, a defensive system that suits him, a back three. So there is still that big looming question mark around a back four that he still has to perform. You know, he still comes up against some very good attackers and has stopped a lot of them. Um, what is it, the AC Penitentiary? I saw, the, I think I sent you the picture, the graphic of all the players that... Yeah, big up uh, Lewis. Christensen yeah, big up Lewis. Ha, has uh, helped to nullify. And that's a guy, an academy graduate as well. That It's easy to forget that because, of course, he's further behind the likes of uh, Reese and, and Mason in this team. But... He, yeah, he's Loftus year, isn't he? He's, yeah, he's year. and JT bigging him up years ago and the club being scared about letting him go because they felt it could be another Kevin De Bruyne situation. A year ago, I was questioning that logic. I didn't know wh where they were getting that from based on the performances I was seeing from Christensen. Um, but now you have to sit there and go, he deserves another contract. He deserves to be one of the main defenders at Chelsea. He's calm, he's composed, he's assertive. He's added something. I don't know if it's Tuchel or, or it's always been a part of his game and maybe for whatever reason we haven't seen it. Physicality. You know, it's never going to be one of his strongest parts as a defender as to other defenders. It maybe it isn't as obvious. But like two minutes into the game, he slides tackles Eden Hazard, you know, and he makes himself known. Now, I hate to sound like, you know, I, I sound like sort of British or English in terms of like just getting stuck in there. England. England. Yeah, no, mate, mate, to be fair, on the stream, I was like, oh, they're getting stuck in. Yeah, they're getting like stuck in. And that was across the team, actually. There was a, there was a sense that they wanted to, Christensen said himself in a pre-match press conference, he was like, we want to make it hard for Real Madrid. We want to we wanna make it a very tough game for them. We want to make them work very hard. Um, and Christensen was a big part of that. So before we get to, of course, N'Golo Kante, I do want to praise Christensen and say, I am so happy to be proven so wrong about Christensen. Because um, well, at the end of the day, when any, and I want to say this across the board for any players that you criticise, which you're fair to, it's always in the context of the situation. You know, none of us a year ago could have expected to be in this position. You know, I just logically, so you should never apologise. It's just being honest, you know, be dishonest of me to say, that I didn't say those things because they're on camera, they're on my YouTube channel, you can go and find them now. But when Jorginho plays well, like he did last night, it's good for Chelsea Football Club, it makes us happy. When Christensen does it, to be proven wrong by a player if they do something well is is great. It's the best thing in the world, right? It's the, it's the greatest thing. If, if a player proves you wrong by helping your club get to a European Cup final, then you cannot complain. Well, on the note of apologies, I feel like I have an apology to make as well. Um, well, maybe. I don't know. Kind of. I, obviously, I wanted Donnarumma um, because I think it makes sense long term. Mendy being late 20s and never having reached a world-class level before. But I think he might be a world-class goalkeeper. I actually do. And... I. I think I think he's better with his feet than people give him credit for. He's not he's not Edison or Allison, but he's definitely comfortable enough to, to take the ball at feet. His shot stopping is frightening. He is really genuinely very very good, and so you know it, it was not you know I always said this. It was never an issue with Mendy's quality. It was purely that I believe Donnarumma will be a better keeper, and I, I still do think that. Um. And his age as well, he's 21, 22. Like, it's, it's a different it's a different thing, but no one deserves to take Mendy's place. He's been one of the best keepers in Europe this season. No question. And so, yeah. Yeah, I should have maybe shown a bit more respect, but he's he's done excellent. And 
you know, can't fault him. AC, obviously, that's my guy. I love that player. Um, ben Chilwell's done excellently as well to, to come back in. Rudiger, obviously, the, the man, the myth that is, you know, he, he was also brilliant, very focused, very driven. It, it's wonderful. Jorginho sorted himself out after a, after, a, after a mistake in a big game, which, you know, as we all know, is testament to his outstanding mentality that he has, which is why I know he gets the captain's armband. Just relax. Um, but, mate, Kante is just levels. Like, the man is levels clear of almost every other midfielder on the planet. There's, there, it's only only Kimmich I'd put in the same category as him for a, a defensive midfielder. Do you know what I mean, he's not really a defensive midfielder, but it's like, you know, you have to call him that because he's not an attacking midfielder either. He is what he is. He's he is what he is. It's, he's he's Kante, isn't he? Like it's utterly unbelievable that this man plays for our club, and he's so good. And every big game he plays better, and it's mad. It's actually insane. I can't believe it how good he is. You just see Cruz, Casemiro, Modric. They act, they don't know what to do with a player like that because he's done this consistently over his career. Is when the opposition have the ball and they're charging forward, he just sort of runs behind them and then takes the ball. It's a really sort of neat tackle that he does. Oh, it must be so frustrating because wherever the ball is, he's kind of stood there. Yeah, he even so, tackled uh, Edin brilliantly. It wasn't a foul. The referee yeah. gave a foul. It was a perfect typical Kante uh, um, interception, as you said, where, yeah, he's just, he, he'll run and he'll just pick the exact right moment, just like a, I don't know, like a snake going in for their prey or something like that, you know, just like, he just waits, 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 killer instinct, gets the ball and um, his attacking influence too. Um, I know very early on in this pod, we spoke about his passing ability um and i think it's still not great it's not no it's not once again kante is not um a ball-playing central midfielder but he's involved in key moments he's involved in key moments like he was involved in in both goals massively last night like he didn't get an assist but he it's like the hockey assist you know the pass before the pass you know he he deserves credit for for that the energy he has the anticipation once again to know where the ball is going to land in particular in the build-up to that second goal he knew where Ramos's header was going to land getting there perfectly opening up space the way we were able to because he was actually pressing up a lot higher in this in both legs than he has previously in the double six Um, but you think about his performance against uh, Atletico Madrid in that second leg which was just we thought that was like the pinnacle but this this is like a, for me another level and I didn't think there were many more levels that Kante could go to because he's always been excellent for Chelsea and we've had debates in recent years mostly just concerning his fitness there has never been a debate around his quality as a player he's quite clearly the one world-class player we have in this squad but he it's just it, it's transformative it can win Chelsea games when Kante's on that level I believe Chelsea can win any game of football against anyone in the world. Talking about the level, right, is he has one more level to go. He has one more level to go and he's there. And in fairness, you know he can get there because he's won a World Cup, which is the only trophy bigger than the Champions League. So, you know, make of that what you will. He will definitely perform. Pep knows this. Bear in mind, Pep has only ever lost one final. So, you know, it's not exactly like we're coming in super hot. Uh, they're going to be out here trying to trying to shut him down, but I feel like we can do it. I really do, and I know people listen to this. We can't break down every single player. We can't go into the you know we, we're not going to go into detail about everything. You know, every player who played last night was outstanding. Everyone on the bench supporting outstanding. Management outstanding. Everything was was excellent. Don't buy the kit, but it's excellent. And it's just it's real. It's a real feel good, isn't it? And we might actually have to get to the point where I don't. I genuinely don't think Kante is now our only world-class player, and that's nice. I think Mason's a world-class player. I think Mendy's having a world-class season, and there are others that are quite close. Or you know, when you watch Kai Havertz play, it's just like wow. This you you know so quickly he's going to be world-class. I think Reese James will be a world-class fullback as well. And obviously, you know, if you, Thiago Silva is Thiago Silva. It's just effortless class. So we're growing and there's so much excitement 
and, and it's just it's just such a nice feeling isn't it mate it's a really pleasant pleasant way to top off a tough time and and yeah is there, is there anything you want to you want to talk about more about that game because I, I don't really know what to say man it was just a bit surreal. I mean, I, in my video yesterday, um, as first time on camera, I ne- like I nearly broke down, sort of in tears, because it was just it was just emotional, man. It, it was, you know, it just quite surreal. Um, it does have a different feel to 2012 to it, absolutely. Um, and I think it was always going to. I mean, I it's just a bit. I was thinking about this the other day, actually. You know, you think about the narrative surrounding the the previous era of Chelsea players and how Munich was like a culmination of like a last chance type thing. And um, it, you, you think like sliding doors moment where what if the 0405 squad won the Champions League, you know, the ball, which didn't cross the line, you know, the referee <laughs> got it right and Chelsea, you know, qualified and uh, beat Liverpool. The That, you know, you just wonder back then you know, is this what could happen now with this squad? You know, if they could win a Champions League. I What I really hope is that this isn't just... And I'm only going to allow myself to do this today because I don't want to do it with Chelsea ever again of believing, like, in the project because it just it's stupid. It really is stupid, right? So I'll allow myself just in this one moment to do it. I'll excuse myself to do it one moment. What I don't want to see is this just be one nice moment and it all collapses next year. Um, for once, I want this club to actually use something like this as a springboard to say, let's as a club try and sustain success, try and sustain competitiveness. You know, over the mm. next five years, I don't want it to be a case where we're not, we're not going to get to every Champions League final. We're not even going to get to every Champions League semi-final over the, part, over the next five years. That's just realistic, right? Not even the, the likes of Bayern and Real and Barca can do that. But just in a sense where in two years' time, we're out the Champions League, you know, completely. We're in the Europa League again. <laughs> I hope the hierarchy at Chelsea look at this and see that this isn't just a vindication of their methods. It should be seen as if you trust something, if you back something, if you want to have to sustain success, put in place foundations behind the head coach maybe like a director of football, which I still think this club lacks, but, you know, Petrček's doing a quite a good job at that with, with signing Edward Mendy. Um, to make sure that this, the recruitment to the academy players getting into the, getting chances in the first team, the players we shouldn't be buying for 30 million that don't improve our first team. Nights like last night should make, you know, it shouldn't just be the two-year cycle constantly. Um, as I've stressed before, so I'll allow myself that bit of naivety as we move on to the women. Uh, well, yeah, then... just just quickly to add to that, you know, it's so it vindicates the Cobham boys. I know everyone's been excellent. I know we get the English bias stuff. You know, all I'm saying is for academy players from your own team to be key key contributors in a Champions League semi final against Real Madrid, it's just it's just it's just baffling. I mean. Um, you know, just as a sort of break before we talk about another Champions League semi-final, do you want to quickly talk about the Chelsea announcement to have fans? Um, is it in board meetings, along like you know, occasionally involved? It's in board meetings. Um, yeah. they don't have. The, I think a key thing that came out is they don't have any voting rights. But I think we have. I don't want to give the club overall praise and say, oh, look at my club like at the forefront again, because the only reason we've got to this point is because the club went into the ESL three weeks ago. Yeah. You know, let's not make out that Chelsea just on their own decided to do this. The reason this has happened is because of the decision they made, the horrendous decision they made and all of the backlash from that. This is proof that this isn't just going to go away that this isn't just going to be easily forgotten despite the amazing success and the wonderful work of the squad and Thomas Tuchel, which as we see, you talk about people asking people to separate things this season. You did see a separation, the way fans acted towards the players and Tuchel outside the ground last night compared to the way they acted towards the board. You know, people are intelligent. They can actually separate things, you know. Um, but anyway, when when we talk about this decision <laughs> in itself, it's progress of... It's progress, I think, for supporters of Chelsea. I hope it has a knock on a... (laughs) 
Oh man, I don't know if I'm going to leave this in the pod actually because Jay's just absolutely <laughs> Jay's gone. Jay's gone. <laughs> Carry on. <clears throat> okay. Well, as I was saying, um, I hope this has a chain effect where we see more of this on other boards of top clubs. Um, it's progress. That's what it is. It's it's progress, and I hope that the people who are voted onto this board from the different support groups there are many um are combative are people who aren't just going to be excited to be there i think you need people who are going to challenge the club on things i know they don't have any voting rights on players and stuff which i I understand it's it's this thing we've spoke about already on this pod you know fans having a say on potentially kits you know and having a say on a fan just on a variety of issues whether that is kits if they can have a say on that um ticket pricing the way the club deals with the supporters the way the club interacts with the supporters the feeling of the club having someone in there who can represent Chelsea fans and and the feeling of Chelsea supporters across the world I think is is a big step forward but let's not use this as propaganda to lift up the club and say oh look how amazing we are it's a good step it's a really strong step i'm not denying that it's progress um but we didn't get here without the european super league fiasco and i think the cfc hierarchy are ruining the day they decided to sign up to that because this wouldn't have happened without that you know it's a chain effect obviously um so yeah positive yeah it's a massive positive i mean you know a swift transition to other positives. The Emma Hayes revolution continues, mate. It continues. So just to be clear, I didn't watch the game live because I was stuck on a cliff in Wales. And that's actually true. So yeah, I got, well, I say a cliff, more like a ravine. I was sort of stuck in a gap. Um, but I went back, I've watched the, I've watched the game. i tell you what, Zadrazil's goal for Bayern was, unreal unreal when that went in i was like i was okay because i knew the score right because obviously you were sending me messages and i you know but jesus what a goal and then i knew i knew going into this game that chelsea had it there you know it's musa okongo who i i think i've referenced a number of times on this podcast now he's one of my favorite football journalists go and check him out if you haven't already like he mentioned that for both the men's and the women's Champions League this year, it's about firepower. It's about firepower. And, you know, interestingly, Chelsea men's team have actually, I would argue, been more of a defensive team than an attacking team. And most people would probably agree with me, I reckon. So it's interesting. But Chelsea women, they're firepower, man. Like, oh, my only concern, and before we get into the game, my only concern is that they do, they've come through in the second leg. And obviously a final's a one-off game. Like they beat Wolfsburg, but in the second leg. They beat Bayern in the second leg. And I, we can't afford to do that, obviously, mm. in the um, in the final against Barcelona. Yeah, but it's, it's a whole mentality shift. You know, it is psychologically, I'm sure, for a coach and for their players, the way you approach a two-legged tie is very different to the, the way you approach a normal Premier League game or a, a league game or a, a one-off cup tie. It's not... The approach will be different. You know, because in a two-legged tie, the approach in the first leg, whether you're home or away, is you don't want to overexert yourself. You don't want to overcommit and put yourselves in a position where you can't recover. So that's that's always been... That's why you get strange games in European competition over two legs, whether that is a case where it's a bit of a dead rubber or a team is sitting on the lead, like the Atletico Madrid second leg for the women, where it was quite a bizarre game because the women are already 2-0 up and it wasn't really a proactive performance from Chelsea that that day. It was a case of them just getting the job done a bit like the men's team did against Porto, where they're just kind of running down the clock. You're not obviously once you get to a Champions League final, that's completely different. So I kind of have no, I understand where you're coming from. I just think the way you approach a two legged tie is of course is, is vastly different to the way you, you will, I think uh, encounter and sort of the way you'll, prepare for uh, a one-legged final so I, I have confidence there I mean it was just so nerve-wracking I mean it got it got me ready for last night's game um, in terms of just preparing me for what nerves were ahead um, 
just the confidence of the team once again to just keep going and just not be dented by an amazing wonder strike because once again the comparison to the men's team in the champions league like it really was in the end a bit of a, a battering in terms of the chances chelsea women created and the goals they actually should have scored i mean sam Kerr should have scored to to stop all that drama in the final few minutes um before kirby put it to bed but as we've been discussing on this pod with the Chelsea women, the squad is so strong. I pointed this out before. I've been really impressed by the fringe players coming in at a key part of the season and performing so well. Um, I think Carter's the biggest point here in terms of her cross for Pinnell Harder. That is really the winning goal. Um, Excellent head of that. And it just shows you the unity of inner squad that Emma Hayes can take players in and out players that maybe have felt on the the fringes of the side but come in at a key part of the season in a key position in, in their biggest game ever and perform so expertly. No, it, it runs parallel to what Tuchel's doing, doesn't it? Mm. You know, the way that they can interchange with the quality they have. Um, and, you know, this is a point that's relevant for both the men's and the women's team is <laughs> the benches are nuts. Like I looked at Real Madrid's bench and I looked at ours and I was thinking, what on earth has happened in the last five years? Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's crazy, it's crazy. Um, and, uh, you know, the Chelsea women's bench is, is obviously insane as well. And, you know, as, uh, how I mentioned and how you and I have spoken about on the podcast, how nice it is for, for Mount to get the goal. Equally, you know, the Queen of Kings Meadow herself, Frank Kirby, got two. It's, it's beautiful narrative all around the club at the moment. And, and it's... We're now at a point where it's really important to win these two finals now. Obviously, but for the narrative alone, it's beautiful, isn't it? Can you imagine Kings Frank of Kirby? Yeah, exactly. The Kings Kings and Queens of Europe. Like it's crazy. First team ever to be in that, that situation. That's credit to the management. That's credit to the players for buying into the management. It's smart recruiting from both sides, perhaps. And more so the women's team. I think they've been smart of their recruiting. Um, that's not to say the men have signed poorly it's just I believe Emma Hayes has been given enough time to instigate a long term plan whereas Tuchel's had to do what he can with the players at his disposal but yeah just confidence like confident, like Chelsea men's team coming out confidence no respect for European champions Chelsea women's team coming out no respect for anyone no respect on the pitch no respect and that's it's amazing and to see Emma Hayes in tears fans in tears you know, I was close. You were close. If we win the final, I'm definitely going to cry. And and it's just what a wonderful place to be right now, Chelsea Football Club, in terms of how things are going on the pitch. You know, I'll be the first one to say I'm still not too happy with certain aspects of the board and the makeup of that. I don't think success on the pitch means that the board are now fine because, you know, um, Frank Kirby, man. Frank Kirby, inspirational like. story. Inspirational story. Uh, She's the best. I've got you know who I'm voting for or voted for for Player of the Year on the men's side. I voted for Frank Kirby on the women's side. Um, it was I tough. Cause, it was tough because I thought Sam Kerr was very close um, in terms of her amazing goal scoring season, and very much those two have formed such a, an amazing partnership over the year. Like they've helped each other you know the, the the partnership they've created the amount of goals each has created for each other more so uh fran creating goals for for sam kerr but it's i just i sorry i just think the inspirational comeback story of, of kirby is just second to none it's, it's magical none. it's ma- it's 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 what you love sport for like across sport it's these moments that are like something in a script that's what makes sport sometimes much better than cinema you know because they're it's competitive sport there's nothing when well, you think there's we're fixing in some areas but you know <laughs> there's it's it's elite sport you know there there isn't a script there isn't an actor there isn't a director there isn't a cut you know there's a there's a there's that danger and jeopardy and that's that's the thing that's just so beautiful about when you see moments like fran kirby running through and everything i'm sure she's going through in that that moment and what that means to her and what it means to Chelsea women. Um, it was amazing to see. We had a conversation about this on on text about quite a few people who maybe hadn't covered the Chelsea women before did on Sunday, you know, and whether, oh, is that positive or negative in terms of people maybe 
you know, not jumping on the bandwagon, but, you know, people now picking up because it's a massive win. But isn't that a positive thing that, like, yeah, I think so. there's so much coverage now equally of, like, there's so many posts, I, there's so many posts I see now of Chelsea women and, and the men's team progressing. And that's how far the women's game is coming. I, we just, we have to point out before we finish Emma Hayes' post-match interview, which is probably my favourite interview I've seen from a from a coach not ever. I think there's maybe a better one. Maybe the Kevin Keegan one is just. I was going to say, yeah, the Kevin Keegan, Keegan one, obviously for memes, but <laughs> this this one was just yeah. extraordinary, and it told the story of someone who's dedicated their life to something, who has worked hard. You know, only in a, the thing is about women's football is and the development of it, the rapid rate of it is like a lot of the work has been done, especially by Emma Hayes, who's been at just club nine years, almost behind the scenes if that makes sense before the game got more finance got more exposure uh she was there through the difficult times you know the times where the club was still growing and and doesn't have the the support it does now so it's just extraordinary and you know her just coming out and saying i'm i'm so fucking proud of the team um it's just brilliant to see the vindication i was watching a discussion on sky sports news the day after and they were speaking about her for like i think it was the tottenham job they were speaking about because of course that still hasn't been filled and they were saying why would you leave chelsea women right now she still can win a champions league she still can do much more with this team but it shows you the level of coach we're speaking about so um happy for emma hayes she's a bit like tuckle is you know that you know cliche is your your team is a the team is a representation of the coach and uh that team represents Emma Hayes in the best way possible. Application, the right mentality, character, spirit, working for each other, honesty, likable people, um, a community, you know, all those things represent Chelsea women. And I think that, that that's the beautiful thing. And yeah, they have to go and do the job now because as well, it, it feels like such a big thing for women's football in this country as well to have Chelsea there. Yeah, I mean, they're my team of the year for anything. So... Do you know that I'm not going to go for it because it'll bore people, but basically the the, the sort of uh, mythological story of Sisyphus, essentially Sisyphus has been punished for life and his punishment is having to push a, a big stone ball or a boulder up a hill that never ends. Like that's, the, that's the tragedy of Sisyphus. A Sisyphean task is so great it never ends. It's so difficult. I feel with Kirby, she is Sisyphus, but has reached the top. She's done. Like she has worked so hard. She's she's done more than most athletes can ever achieve. And it, and it, yeah, just to add, it's, it's it's beautiful. And then obviously, Chelsea women played Spurs yesterday before the the Champions League, uh, the men's game, and and Sam Kerr got two. So, you know, she's been she's been having an amazing season as well. Fought hard as header in the game was outstanding. I thought the whole team played brilliantly. Um, Millie Bright improved as well, which is good because, you know, I've been quite harsh on her recently, but I think her performances have dipped. But I, I really do believe she had a good game. Obviously, having having uh, Ericsson there is is a different level, and it really helps out. So yeah, it, it's it's good stuff. It's it's good stuff all around the club. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 beautiful, and and the, the whole unity and togetherness, it seemingly anyway, is very good. Um. Yeah, it's weird to have a Chelsea podcast where everything's going so well, right? Yeah, we've got some uh, just some comments slash questions from people just to, to pick out here. Uh, that Chelsea podcast, great guys. Uh, please go and listen to their pod. Was last night Jorginho's Mikel versus Bayern Munich a much maligned player at times and someone who lots don't didn't particularly rate? The sound of silence. Oh, mate. People rate him. And if you don't rate him, it's because he's... I feel like criticism with him is warranted because his flaws are exposed almost all the time. He's been excellent under Tuchel. Was it a Mikel game? I don't think so. Does, you know, was he world-class against Real Madrid? Yes, he was. But then again, you know, I've always said this. I expect that of him. So I get frustrated when it's not there because he puts in performances like he did yesterday. Do you know what I'm saying? We know we talk about the team like, oh, they only turn up in big games, all this stuff. Like, I trust Chelsea to play. I, 
I believe Chelsea would get th- uh, nine points against City, Spurs and United more so than against Brighton, Sheffield and Newcastle. And I actually, I actually do think that. And that's why I get frustrated because Jorginho is one of those players that in the massive games is usually always outstanding. But it's just why not all the time? But, you know, it's, I'm not going to get in on, on criticising him too much. Do I think it's a Mikel performance? No, I don't. To be honest, maybe against City he'll have that chance, but you know he doesn't need that. I, I said I said yesterday during the live stream when the game is on that I when I was noticing Jorginho, especially the sloppy cross in, then the yellow card, I wasn't pleased. But then I said to everyone half an hour later, look, we've stopped we've stopped noticing Jorginho. I bet you he's like I bet you look at his statistics, he's been frightening. And that's exactly the case. I, you don't. He's a player that you shouldn't really notice. Do you know what I mean? He moves in the shadows and and that position. You need to just dictate quietly and have an influence everywhere. And that's what he did. So credit to him. Do you think that Obviously, because of the battle of so you know, the, the the culture wars on social media around Jorginho make people more hesitant to praise him or negative or maybe they wouldn't be like because because there's extremes to because if you create anytime you you know as someone who has been more sympathetic to Jorginho over the years when if you criticize him as you do with many players now I mean it's a common thing common retort to anything someone doesn't like but especially Jorginho you get accused of having an agenda against him but it's not even that like I, I will criticise him one week and praise him the next week based off the performance I watch and then I'll get people like oh oh a flip flop do you know what I mean <laughs> it's just like okay what changing what, your what changing your opinions based on the con and the evidence in front of you <laughs> what do you think yeah, you yeah, imagine that what a bastard like <laughs> Jorginho is one of those players that it's almost as if the the audience don't let you change your opinion. Like, my my opinion on Jorginho is, on his day, unplayable, world-class player. Doesn't do it as consistently as I'd like him to. He's an excellent short passer and he's amazingly metronomic at keeping like keeping play steady i would like him to to long pass a bit more and i just don't i don't personally believe he should be vice captain they're my opinions on him it's really not that deep i don't hate him i think he's a very very good player he was outstanding against real madrid and he's been utterly unbelievable since tuchel's been here perfect keep him in if he's going to play like this keep him in i have no issue with it. it it happens to be that I just I think he lacks consistency sometimes, and and I have seen over the last few seasons him be managed out of games almost effortlessly. However, Tuchel will probably and has done helped him with that. So it's onwards and upwards, and I hope that he continues to do well. I hope he proves people wrong. You know, I have no doubt about his ability. You know, we joke about the Billy Gilmore stuff. Like Georgino is obviously clear of Billy Gilmore. Like I'm just doing it for jokes. Like, but. Yeah, my own my my main gripe is I don't think he should be vice captain, and I will die on that hill. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, um, because what he does, he cares about the team, he cares about the players, he cares about the squad. He's got an amazing attitude, it, you know, phenomenal technique. He's far more defensively astute than people give him credit for, and that, that's a nice thing about him. And that's why people who are big advocates of him are you know consistently back him because statistically he bears out as a very very good football player and, and that's what he is rj's uh, asked two questions uh how would you approach the city game in the league knowing we have them on the weekend i think you mean city game in the champions league because of course we have them on the weekend as well that's a bit bizarre isn't it you know of course a what do they call it a dress rehearsal maybe um yeah we've got we've got we've got a dress rehearsal for them and then we've got a sort of a cool down haven't we when we play Leicester in the cup and then the league you've got arsenal in between uh, that as well jesus christ um I don't care how we play against City in the league. Just don't lose, I, I think. I, I kind of hope, nah, I kind of hope Tuchel goes with like a proper sketchy team and plays like some really young players and throws them off and they're just going to the Champions League really comfortable and then we just make some Mount 1-0 win. Mm. Second, uh, do you see Timo being valuable to the team going forward more so as a provider slash creator rather than as a finisher? Not really, because... He would, if if he if he was finishing well, he would have infinitely more goals than he would assist. His assists have been great. Do you know what I mean? And and he's a he's a more creative player than perhaps we expected, mm. uh, and maybe perhaps more than he expected. But if he had his finishing boots on, he would have thirty goals this season probably. Yeah. So I think he's missed sixteen big chances or something, and 
so yeah, that, that put him on around 28 goals. Um, so I still believe his his primary job will be to finish chances, but having him as a creator is always a always a bonus, and it's good for him. It's good for confidence. Obviously, he wants that goal. He got the goal against Madrid, and it's excellent stuff. So, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a big Timo fan. I think he's a good player. I think he'll be an excellent player for us. And mm. and yeah, man, it's just it's nice. You look at what Tuchel's done. He's repeatedly picked him because it shows him that we trust you. We're confident in you. You know, look how well Tuchel's managed Kai as well. Like in and out, in and out. Like it's it's excellent. It's excellent. Mm. And that's the that's a nice thing. I hope this sort of equanimity remains and there's no explosion mid-season next year mm. next season well this podcast game is pretty easy you know 16 17 episodes in champions league final it's fa cup light, final light work isn't it it's uh it's light work the joys of being a, a chelsea fan i guess <laughs> do you know what i mean um but yeah man it's just it's just good stuff like it's just amazing it's really it really is amazing it's nice um let's have it right like city are favorites i i think in the women's champions league final i i believe that's pretty 50 50 i'd maybe err on the chelsea side being better whereas in the men's game city are hard they are heavy team and they will want this so much because there are lots of players that deserve a champions league on that pitch de bruyne kante Aspi, top three probably fernandinho is a shout as well um, so, Mason Mount. So you know, there's um, there's plenty of narrative. Billy Gilmore. Oh my God! Don't even gas me. He just has to come on in the 90th minute. Score screamer, please. Emerson. <laughs> it's not a Tammy. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's just it's so nice to be in in the part of the story, the part of the narrative where everything's going well. I'm just trying to enjoy it because I know it doesn't last. Yeah, savour it up. Like, this is the thing with Chelsea, you should know. As in all seasons, uh, you've got to save a thing when they're going well at Chelsea. Yeah. There's always because, a landmine somewhere. Because, it because yeah, it's going to... Like, you know, as we know as Chelsea fans, it's predictably unpredictable. There is a disaster somewhere along the line, as we know. Um, so you've got to just enjoy it as it is. And this is a pretty high, you know... I guess happy point at the moment. I ain't got nothing more to say. And obviously, you got to head off as you're the TV star. Probably got meetings and more TV appearances to do. Uh, Jay McIntosh, Premier League TV star, hanging with the in crowd. He's going to be verified on Twitter soon, um, and he's going to be getting the team sheet like an hour early as well. So you know, get it an hour early anyway. Don't worry about it. Um, not playing. Not playing. Um, well, I'm not playing. <laughs> uh, it's fine. Um, yeah, man. I don't know what else to say. Like, normally we sort of ramble into a post-pod section where we talk about nonsense. But for what what is a, a podcast that we probably won't do too many more times, which is talk about both teams in a in a final and everything going well, I I don't really have have anything else to say, mate. I really don't. What about you? No, not really. I, I will need some more sleep because I haven't had, I didn't get oh, great sleep. I was up till like, firstly, I was up till like 3 a.m. watching like Spanish Bang. TV lose their minds over Eden Hazard, which was hilarious. Hilarious. One of the best things I've ever seen in my life. Um, and yeah, just all the stuff. Savoring, savoring it will win with a few pictures of the new kit, which is just absolutely dreadful and awful. And if you buy it, you should be ashamed of yourself in a couple of weeks. Because it's going to be out very soon, by the way. So I just, I want to see the litmus test. Who runs out and buys it? That's going to be the Yeah, exactly. Thing. Don't buy it unless you buy it through the Chelsea Socials link. Then you can, uh, <laughs> then you can buy it. Um, obviously, because that, that um, well, that helps me out and it helps out the Chelsea Socials. So if you're going to buy it, if you're going to be that guy. James McIntosh, principled as a vegan kit, but you know, Chelsea yeah. Social, we do have our affiliate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. Do what you want to do. Don't buy the kit. You know, I'm not buying it. I don't. I don't buy any kits really, to be honest. Um, but if you want to, if you want to send me uh, a kit of any any club, I I I might wear it. I, I don't know. But yeah, mate, I, I've got nothing else to add. I assume you've got nothing else to add. I need sleep, and I've still got. 
I've got more stuff to do for the rest of the day. But as always, this is the how are we going to say this? The champions podcast isn't we're not champions, but it's the it's the it's the sort of step before. It's the, no, it's the so fucking proud podcast. That's what it is. There you go. Yeah, it's the so fucking proud podcast. I'm Jay McIntosh. I've been joined as ever by uh, Daniel Childs, and yeah, we'll catch you after the city game, right? We'll catch you at the weekend. Sunday, so. I think. Yeah, be prepped. Sunday. Oh, average mammals, just quickly. Average mammals. Oh, yeah. Average mammals. There, there's quite Courtois. a few. It, Perez. Yeah, yeah, Courtois, Perez, um, but mainly PSG for that absolutely embarrassing oh, performance God, on, on Tuesday night. That bunch of scummers. Honestly, I hate that club so much. I'm so happy they took a massive L. Like Pochettino's taking Spurs over to um, PSG, obviously. And... Yeah, they suck without their two players and what a shock when they spend 300 million or something on two players and then one of them isn't there. Stupid, stupid club. Stupid club. Um, but yeah, they're the average mammals. Obviously, Courtois jokes. Um, <laughs> yeah, what a knobhead. Right, anyway, I'm Jay McIntosh. I've been joined by Daniel Charles. We'll catch you on Sunday. Thanks for listening. Go, don't, you know, rate, share, do what you want to do. Play it to whoever. Put it on a speaker and play it in a crowded area so people pick it up. Uh, and yeah, we'll catch you next time. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>